Welcome back to middle school It's a zoo right there So just be cool Don't speak too loud Try to fit in But if you don't Then you can be in everyone and welcome to the first episode of the Outfit Repeaters, a Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Cantor, and I'm here with my always co-host, Sam Chung. Oh, you're always co-host. That was so sweet. I mean, I feel like here with my co like it almost sounds like the co-host is going to change, but it's always going to be you. I guess I am your always no, co-host. You're my always co-host. Wow, look at us. Okay. Two peas in a pod. <laughs> Stop. So happy to be here. Me too, and I'm so excited to kick off the podcast with, officially, with episode 101 called Rumors, aired on January 12th, 2001. January 12th, 2001. Yep. I was five. As was I. We were so young. That we were. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I mean, it's the only logical place to start episode 101, right? You would think. You would think. Okay. What, am I wrong? <laughs> well, while this is the first episode that aired, it's technically not the pilot, which is just very confusing. So we kind of jump into things. There is a pi- So there's a pilot episode that airs later? Yeah, apparently the pilot that was meant to be the first episode was episode 104 pool party i feel like that's gonna make so much more sense because they did kind of just drop us into episode 101 yeah they didn't really introduce anything oh okay well yeah we'll get there we'll get there all right i'm going one episode at a time yeah. so i don't i don't know i've never watched the show as before. we've established sam is clueless i've never watched this show this is the first time so in episode 101 rumors Lizzie accidentally starts a mean rumor about Kate, and Miranda stands up for her friend and takes the blame. Unfortunately, she has to deal with the fallout of taking off the school's new head cheerleader. Bum, bum, bum. Drama. So much drama. So much drama. To be in middle school again. To be in middle school again. Your favorite time, right? Oh, my God. We're not going to talk about that on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, I mean, that's a... is the basic obviously there's so much to dive into so much so much content and it all starts with the opening segment lizzie mcguire who you have now met for the first time yeah um hillary duff as a young child yes wants to be a cheerleader i mean don't we all but also has some really like not nice thoughts about cheerleaders yeah it's really kind of mean she really just kind of lays into the stereotypes she does. Are we going to play the clip? I can play it. Yeah, totally. I can play the clip. Uh, There's going to be clips on this podcast. We're very new to this, and that's going to be apparent at first. All right. It's kind of like finding our way. But we can still play the clip. But we'll play the clip. Okay. I know what you're thinking. Me, Lizzie McGuire, cheerleader? 
what up with that? I mean, nothing could be more superficial, demeaning, and shallow. Cheerleading is like this plot to make girls feel bad about themselves. But I hope I make it, I hope I make it, I hope I make it! So there's a lot to unpack there. There is a lot to unpack there. It's, I mean, clearly she has not seen the Netflix documentary Cheer, because <laughs> then she would know the hard work and rigor that goes into being a cheerleader. Absolutely. It's not all, you know, pom-poms and, and leg kicks. People it's, get hurt. It's not. And you see in this opening, like, this is the first 30 seconds of, of the episode, and you see this sort of um, juxtaposition between Lizzie saying these things about cheerleading that are very one-note and stereotypical and very reminiscent of this, like, what we saw a lot in this early 2000s era of TV and depictions of the cool popular cheerleaders and the nerdy band kids and just a much more, um, yeah, like, one-note view of putting kids in boxes. But then at the same time... Lizzie can say all these things about what cheerleaders are, but she also wants to be a part of it. Yeah, I think that's relatable. I think that's relatable, too. You sometimes otherize things that you just aren't included in, even though you really want to be part of it yourself, and so you get upset, and then you kind of lash out, even though it's something that you really want deep down. I Yeah, I felt that really hard. And, like, the first time I rewatched this episode, I was like, whoa, Lizzie, but going back at it again, I feel like it's coming from, like, a place of, like, just wanting to fit in that we all felt. I suppose, but I feel like she does fit in. I mean, she has her group of friends. It's just this one thing that she's objectively not, I mean, later on, well, she's objectively not good. She's bad at it. Yeah. She's pretty, she's not a great cheerleader. She's not a great cheerleader. Yeah. Um, and that was actually one of the things that I wanted to talk about. So, like, after this, well, we'll get to that. I guess right immediately after, they kind of break it down, right, in the cafeteria. Yeah, and you meet Gordo and Miranda for the first time. Yeah, and I think uh, early on, Gordo is definitely top contender for favorite character. I relate to him a lot. Yeah, that checks out. He and I are very similar. We dressed as middle schoolers very similarly. <laughs> And um, he has one of my favorite lines of the show in this episode, which is any group activity that forces people to be happy is evil. And I, I kind of agree with that. <laughs> I think you still stand by that. I still stand by that. A lot of things are cults. You don't know, but it's a cult. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> group activities are cults. Yeah, group activities are cults. So many things are cults. <laughs> this is becoming a podcast about cults. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> just a one big pivot so we can talk about cults. Dial it back. No, I do see a lot of Gordo in you, and I really – Gordo was one of my favorite characters in the series growing up. Um, and there are a lot of, like, weird parallels between you and him. Did you also have a crush on Gordo growing up? Not really. I thought that he was a really good friend. Um, wow, so and I'm just a really good friend? No. <laughs> <laughs> you are a really good friend. But, um, and I really, like, later on as the more, like, romantic stuff starts to come out and, like, that arc between, like, 
Gordo and Lizzie spoiler. That's a huge spoiler. I can't believe you would spoil that for me. (laughs) Well, you said you kind of had spoilers from the movie, so I thought that that was fair game to say. The spoiler I have from the movie is she (laughs) runs around with an Italian dude named Paolo. (laughs) That's Um, unrelated to Gordo. uh, I guess we don't need to watch the movie now. Well, Gordo Because I know how that ends. Your classic friends to lovers trope. Yes. Um, Can't believe you did that. And I really supported that. I really did like that, that whole development of that that comes later. But what I was trying to say is there are also these weird parallels beyond the way you dress. Like, he is also an aspiring filmmaker. Oh, I work in film and television. Yeah, so. Wow. Yeah, Gordo is your guy. Yeah, me and Gordo. He's in a pod. He's in a pod. Yeah, soulmates. Right. So then after the cafeteria scene where – they're talking about you. You want to be a cheerleader. Um, we cut to the tryouts. Yeah, and I had a question about this. So in the tryouts, they're all wearing like matching blue shirts, and it's like, why are they? Are they in a cult? You know, like not to bring <laughs> it, not to bring it back, but why are they all wearing the same blue T-shirt? I think that's just their gym uniforms. They have gym uniforms. I think Is so. Is that a thing in the early two thousands? At least on TV it was. I don't know if it was ever a thing, like, in real life. I never had a gym uniform. I never had a gym uniform. But I think on the show, yeah, I think you will continue to see them in In, those. In blue shirts? In those blue shirts. Okay. Another thing that I found a little weird about the cheerleading tryout scene is that there are people watching the tryouts, but they're behind the people who are trying out. So they can only see the person trying out from the back. And that just seemed a little weird to me. Like, if you rotated it 180 degrees so that the audience and the judges were both looking the same way, everybody would be able to see the front of the cheerleader trying out. But now there's all these people just, like, watching you from behind. I can't answer that that blocking choice. It was an interesting blocking choice, I thought. Yeah. My, my biggest thing was, like, where is the adult? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. They're being judged by, like, other... By what, other What grade are they in? Seventh grade? Eighth yeah. grade? Yeah. They're, they start off in seventh. They start off in seventh grade? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there's, like, no advisor, no supervision. Yeah. It's just kids judging kids, which always goes well in middle school. Oh, yeah. It went well every single time, 100% (laughs) of the time. But Lizzie's bad. Yeah, she's not a great cheerleader. She does a lot of, like, kicking and, like, kind of, like... She's just kind of jumping around. Yeah, a lot of jumping around. Which makes... Very little sense because, as you will soon find out, Lizzie McGuire is a rhythmic gymnastics prodigy. What is rhythmic gymnastics? It's like gymnastics with rhythm. No, it's <laughs> <What>? like <laughs> I got. I can I tell you that. I don't have like the Google definition for it, but it's like um, is that like floor? Yeah, it's like floor, and they use props more, like a hula hoop. And a ribbon, and it's They more use a ribbon? Uh-huh. That doesn't seem like gymnastics. Like, if all you're doing is waving around a ribbon? Or, but you would do, you would incorporate some gymnastic elements. So, like, you would throw a hula hoop in the air and do, like, a cartwheel. And throw then, it? What? Like, you jump it, you throw the hula hoop in the yeah. air, and then you jump, you, you, you cartwheel through it? No, it's up, it's suspended up in the air. While it's up in the air, you do, like, a cartwheel. And then the hula hoop comes back down. 
and you pick it up before it touches the ground. Oh, I, I guess we'll. I'll need, like to, I'll need to get to that episode. We'll get to that episode, but yeah, I found it a little funny that like she's so bad at regular cheerleading, but then something so adjacent to cheerleading, she's really, really good at. Wait, just back to the rhythmic gymnastics for one second. Is that a skill that Hillary Duff has, or do they need a stunt double for that? No, she she can do like she did her own stunts. She did her own stunts. Yeah, uh, she's like Tom Cruise up in here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. That's a fact. Interesting. All right. Cool. So then Lizzie's bad, not a cheerleader. She admits in her... We haven't even talked about animated Lizzie. Yeah, I found that to be a little weird. I love animated Lizzie. I don't understand. So, okay, one thing about animated Lizzie that I noticed is that she only has four fingers and four toes. (laughs) What? Animated Lizzie does not have the correct amount of appendages. (laughs) You know, I never noticed that, but I'm going to be really fixated on it for episode two. She only has four fingers and four... She's an alien. She's so weird. And then she wears, like, four-inch platform sandals. Yes. Like, Hillary Duff's already pretty tall. Why does she need four-inch sandals? Hillary Duff is 5'2". Okay, well, she's tall in relation to everybody else in this middle school. She's taller than Gordo. Gordo hasn't hit his growth spurt yet. Gordo never really hits his growth spurt. (laughs) All right. But yeah, um, Animated Lizzie, I thought, was an interesting choice. And I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to make Animated Lizzie like, um, you know, Lizzie's inner inner voice. But just the pink, the fingers and toes thing, you know, like why? You know, that's a great question. But I'm not going to fixate on it because the point of, yeah, it's basically the voice inside her head. It, there's this whole, you know, a lot of the arcs in the episodes are about Lizzie and her confidence, and her. this episode's all about confrontation. So animated Lizzie is what Lizzie wants to say, which is usually diametrically opposed to what actually comes out of her mouth. And so inside of her head after this cheerleading tryout, she's like, wow, bad the only thing worse than my cheerleading is a dramatic pause nothing yeah and then she gets like impaled by a javelin (laughs) and at this point i'm like is she dead like is this the end of cartoon (laughs) lizzie like that was short-lived yeah that was a really wild choice yeah it's just a good thing i didn't try out for javelin yeah impaled (laughs) death and then cut to theme song yeah, and this was, like, the first time that I think I'd ever seen the theme song all the way through. Like, I think I'd gotten bits and pieces of it, and you kind of, like, sing it just when, you don't, even, yeah, when you, don't, you don't even know you're singing it, but sometimes you're singing it. But this is the first time that I had seen the full kind of, like, opening credit sequence, and it was also a little strange. Like, everybody has a kickball, but the kickball keeps, like, changing in size. It's like deflate gate up in here. And at one point, like, Gordo is kicking it around like a hacky sack. (laughs) But then in the next one, they're all getting chased like it's Indiana Jones. It's just, what is the story with this kickball? Will it come back at any point? It just seems so random. The hacky sack thing is a thing for Gordo. Yeah, okay, so that's one difference between myself and Gordo because I never got on the hacky sack train. Really? No. Yeah, I, there were a lot of choices that were made with that opening. I love them all. You stand by them. I stand by them. I like the the words of the theme song. I think that... Which you know all of them. Which I know all of them as 
as stated, I sing them. I will not be singing them now. <laughs> but it just feels very, like, whimsical and happy. Yeah, it does feel happy. I just feel like in relation to other theme songs, it's a little bit, or maybe not theme songs, but opening credit sequences, it's just like middle of the road. Well, it's interesting because most opening credit sequences just rely on clips from, like, it's like just like a montage of clips with, like, the characters. Like it's no Dragon Tales. Nothing is Dragon Tales. Dragon Tales. It's like its own own thing yeah i think it goes probably like game of thrones dragon tales close second just shows about dragons <laughs> a bunch of other shows and then Wire, just like song, right in the middle get a dragon get a dragon that's the key takeaway we gotta take away from this so now we're at lizzie's house and we meet her parents for the first time um and they're kind of comforting her um about not making the cheerleading squad yeah, we get a lot of weird early 2000s colloquialisms here, too. Like, Lizzie says, it's no big. Like, is it that much more effort to say it's no big deal? She it's just no goes, big. it's no big. And then when she goes upstairs to her room and she goes, I'm outie. I'm outie, as opposed to any, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just like, is that something that people actually ever said? I, I guess mean, it's like when text talk kind of took over everybody for a short while. Yeah. And people would sort of speak in texting. Be like ROTFL. Well, then, um, and in this segment, we get again very like the like early two thousands thinking about cheerleaders. Yeah, it's like you see where she gets it from. You see where she gets it from. Her dad says, "I always thought cheerleaders were snooty," which is like not great, Sam McGuire. Not great. Not great. Um, I didn't know his name was Sam until just now. <laughs> yeah. That's also my name. Yes, that is also your name. Oh my god. Did you think I was like? Speaking to you at first. I mean, no, I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so cast, dad is Sam, mom is Joe. Okay. And then brother is Matt. So they both have genderless names. Interesting. Yeah, you're right. And then Lizzie's like, that's okay. I'm not the cheerleader type. I'm more of a band geek. And mom is not like this. Mom goes, Lizzie McGuire, you are not a geek. And then we get one of the best parts of the episode. One of the best, but wait, but does she play an instrument? Is she in the band? No, she doesn't. So how is she a band geek? Because a band geek is the opposite of a cheerleader. Objectively not true. <laughs> not true, but in, in Lizzie's mind, in, the, in this world. And if you're not actually a band geek, how can you identify as a band geek? So many questions. So many questions here. But I agree. The next part was also one of my favorite parts of the episode. And it's like... Lizzie's parents start to list off reasons why she's why she's uh, perfect, and then the little um, subtitles or the little lower thirds pop up on the screen with like a ding sound after each one. Yes, sorry, I'm forgetting that um, we forgot to introduce Lizzie the lizard. Lizzie the lizard, our B story. Our B story. How could we have forgotten? How could we have forgotten? It's. There's so much happening in this episode. It really is a lot. And I think to part of the reason why, like, is that this is the first one that I've seen, and there's just so much to comment on. And I'm sure that, like, as we go on, I'll become more normalized to it. But like in this first episode, there's just so much to take in. Yes. So before we get the pep talk, we get Lizzie's brother Matt is hosting the class lizard Lizzie, 
and is taking care of this lizard. And Lizzie's really upset that it's also called Lizzie. But I feel like that makes sense. But that like, makes sense. Like, if you have a lizard and it's, like, a communal lizard, why wouldn't you call it Lizzie? Yeah, it's like Forky in Toy Story. Right. Yeah, it just it makes sense. Right. So Lizzie the lizard exists. Back to the pep talk. I actually wrote down these things that her mother said about her. Oh, I did not. Okay. And yeah. So Lizzie McGuire is not a geek because she is beautiful. She has great friends. Gordo and Miranda are wonderful. Those were two separate reasons. And neither one is about Lizzie. Especially number eight. Especially number eight. Miranda and Gordo are wonderful kids. Not about Lizzie. <laughs> nothing to do with Lizzie. <laughs> She's smart and compassionate. And then at this point, it cuts to animated Lizzie. And the list actually appears on the screen. I, you might have already said that. I did, And I was yeah. really thrown off about forgetting Lizzie the lizard. And then it ends with her being nice to strangers. And then number one reason, Matt says that she is housebroken. That's it. Ten reasons. And then we cut to AIM. But it's not really AIM. It's like an off-brand AIM. It's like an off-brand. Yes, it's like an off-brand AIM. And it's weird because it's like, is it tied to the class roster? Is it like something that this school created? I'm very confused about this. Okay, yeah. So so to set the scene, Lizzie is in her bedroom now. She's outie. To she's go out. work on a book report that she's not working on. Because, but she's any her bedroom. But she's any her bedroom. <laughs> Instant messaging Miranda. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, and Lizzie's upset that she's not a cheerleader, and this manifests in a rumor. Um, and this is like a weird, this is one of the things that I found weird about this episode is that like in the first episode of a show, you want people to kind of relate to your main character, but Lizzie's just kind of mean. Lizzie is just kind of mean. And she says that Kate, who did make head cheerleader, stuffs her bra. (gasps) Oh my goodness. And I want to pause for just a second and talk about. Kate and my biggest problem with this episode which like as you alluded to is like the relatability of Lizzie and like setting up Kate as the villain because this episode does not do that at all yeah it's like you sympathize with Kate in this moment like Kate didn't do anything Kate didn't do anything she's probably just actually good at cheerleading she is actually good at cheerleading yeah she's just actually good at cheerleading and obviously throughout the course of the series Lizzie and Kate have all their stuff um It really is a friendship breakup story between them. They were really close when they were little and then drifted apart as Kate became one of the popular girls and Lizzie did not. And a lot of their stuff um, is executed in a very nuanced way. And this part is not, and especially as it's our very first introduction to Kate. And Lizzie just seems like kind of a butt. Lizzie does seem like kind of a butt. She's like texting, or I guess IMing, like Kate stuffs her bra, drama, 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 drama. Like, oh, so mean. So mean. And then the weirdest thing to ever happen, maybe ever. Yeah, so. Happens. (laughs) All right, yeah, say what happens, and then I have thoughts. Okay. So, rumor gets sent from Lizzie to Miranda. Miranda tries to respond. Her computer freezes 
a message pops up on the screen, just like shuffling through names of an entire class roster. And then it says message sent. So the rumor that Lizzie sent got sent out to the entire school via Miranda's computer. This is one of the weirdest things that I've ever seen. I've never seen this before where the recipient of a message, somehow their phone glitches and the last message sent gets then sent to everybody on their contact list. This is a glitch that I have literally never seen in my entire life. It's more than a glitch. It's a plot hole. Oh my God. We have our first plot hole. We have our first plot hole. It's like five minutes into the episode and we have a plot hole. Should I do a plot hole sound? Yes. That's our disappointment at the plot hole. Yes. All right, so first plot hole. But yeah, it's just like so weird. Like, this is not something that happens in real life. It's not. Do we think she got hacked? She must have got hacked. She must have, right? But like, like someone... who would hack a 12-year-old's desktop? A 12-year-old's like bedroom desktop. Bedroom desktop. Which is like... Which is not something that happened for any of us. Yeah, who had a bedroom <laughs> desktop? Like, we had one desktop. It was in a communal location. My, my family's desktop was in my parents' bedroom, which was even worse. I guess, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just found that to be a little bit suspect, but I guess, you know, maybe maybe the early 2000s was... Just a sketchy time. Just a to, sketchy time. To be online. Y2K, you know? Yeah. Maybe this was Y2K. <laughs> so that happens. Rumors out. Then we get a nice little cut to school the next day. We have a lot of really fun transitions in this episode. I like to call them PowerPoint transitions. They are like they're like when you go to a class and it's like elementary school and they're like, here's word art, here's Comic Sans, and here's how to transition to PowerPoint. And, and it's those not, are the transitions and that it's are not in something that you ever can use in like your daily life. Yeah, yeah. They found a use for them. Yeah. So we cut to school. They're like panicking. Oh no, it's out. Did everyone get it? And Miranda's like, only the people who have computers, which I just think is a funny thing because. It really just, like, is of its time. And then Kate approaches them. It's basically is like, who did it? I know it was one of you. Which, how? How did you know it was one of them? Yeah, it's, it's doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Because if it got sent from Miranda, you would automatically know that it was from Miranda. Right? Right, yes. But yeah, assuming that it's anonymous. Okay, so there's two. There's this is twofold. Assuming that this was sent anonymously, which is what the show is trying to portray. Yeah. How did she know that it was one of them? Yeah, it's it's a very quick uh, process of elimination for her right. to get to these three. And Gordo's not even on the in the conversation. Correct. And then secondly, the logic in our brains right now is if it was sent. You have an AIM screen name. Their AIM screen names very much indicate who they are. Yeah, that's true. It's like they got in on, like, ground level because they all got the screen names that they wanted. Yeah, like, Lizzie was Lizzie with two E's, and Miranda was Mander. Yeah. So, in that case, you would assume that the message got out with their names attached to it, and then you would know it was them. So, that's just another plot hole. God, another plot hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
But okay, so we're living in this plot hole world. Kate <laughs> we're knows. <laughs> we're living. We live in a plot hole world. Stop. <laughs> I'm again. I'm so sorry. Um, Kate is here approaching them. Knows it was one of them, and this is where we have Lizzie's first confrontation fail. And this is the this is the emotional core of the story and Lizzie's arc is not being great at dealing with confrontation, which is something that I can relate to on a very deep level. And I think a lot of people can. Yeah, totally. Okay. Which one of you did it? I, I, uh, I, 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 uh, you what? Uh, I, um, um, uh, I did it, Kate. So Miranda takes the fall for Lizzie's rumor, and that was Lizzie's first confrontation fail. Handled terribly. Handled terribly. I think there's maybe four of these throughout the course of the episode. There's enough to make it uncomfortable. Enough to make Every it uncomfortable. Every time. Every time. Yeah. And then Lizzie's like, why'd you do that? I was going to do it. And then Miranda's like. Which she was not. She clearly she was clearly not. Was not. And Miranda calls her out for being bad at confrontations objectively true which is objectively true and like again this is where i love the the animated lizzie because lizzie in her head says thank god i have someone like miranda to step in for me but lizzie in real life gets super defensive and it's like what what do you think animated miranda would say she's like oh classic lizzie <laughs> yeah it's <Such> a wimp i <laughs> oh, guess i gotta take one for the team here again probably Again, this has probably <laughs> happened more than once. Probably. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, so her friends are very aware of this flaw. But they're there for her. I love it. Yeah. Good moment for Miranda. Nice supportive crew. Nice supportive crew. Yeah. So from this, we cut back to the B story. It's weirdest B story also. <laughs> but I feel like I've said a lot of things that are weird. But this is such a weird episode. Like, such a weird B story. Like, the parents have to take care of this lizard, and then they lose it, except not even. Or so they think. Yeah, exactly. And then, after they think they lose it, they go on the most idiotic search for it. They search in the dumbest places for this lizard. What are some of the places where they search? Okay, so they search in the microwave, which, let's think about this. For a lizard <laughs> to be in the microwave, it would have to know how to open the microwave <laughs> and then close the microwave door on itself. So objectively, terrible place to look for a lizard. He looks inside the VCR player, which a little bit better, but still, what? And then he looks like, uh, I don't know, inside the vacuum bag. Like, no one was vacuuming, so the va like the lizard just crept up into the vacuum on its own volition. It's just a terrible search. It's no wonder that they didn't find the lizard. And of note, this was all done as a montage to a very early 2000s song. So early, we cannot track this song. We tried to find it. I don't know how. Yeah, I so mean. So if you know this song. Tweet help. at us. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. It's, it's really keeping us up at night. It is. Sorry. Yeah, it is. No, it actually is. Please please let us know if you know. Yeah, the, the main repeating lyric is, where are you now? But when you Google that, it's hard to find. But an appropriate song for... This montage. Super on the nose. Where is the lizard now? Where is the lizard now? So then we cut back to school, and this is where the 
tension between Miranda and Kate really starts to take off in the form of a prank war, which is less of a prank war and more just like straight up bullying. Yeah, some really mean stuff kind of happens here. Yeah. Like that one girl tells Miranda that like Danny... Danny this, Kessler. Like, this dreamy boat, dreamboat guy wants to talk to her. Which means he's like a pale white boy with floppy hair. Yeah, and so Lizzie reaches out and pulls like two mints out of her bag, which are unwrapped, and it's really strange. It's like an Altoid. Yeah, but it's an unwrapped Altoid. Altoids aren't wrapped. Probably no, it wasn't. It was like a lifesaver, but not in any plastic. Ooh, that's a little weird. It's a little weird. <laughs> it's just kind of floating around in the purse. Um. But yeah, they they tell Miranda that Danny wants to talk to her, and then she goes up to Danny, and Danny's like, "I don't talk to you." That's my Danny yeah. voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty mean. So then, in retaliation, Miranda puts a bunch of tissues in Kate's locker to kind of, you know, allude to the prank, which also like not great, not not terrible, but like not we're not on a path toward resolution at this point. Yeah, not great. From there, Kate mass produces these posters with Miranda's face on them, a very unflattering photo that I am not sure where she would be able to get in this in 2001. I was thinking the same thing. Like, this is 2001. There's no Facebook. There's no Twitter. I mean, maybe Kate is the hacker. Have we just cracked it? Like, Kate is the hacker who hacked Miranda's computer to make herself a victim and then she could, like, she has all these technical skills that she can get pictures of Miranda looking like, Ugh. Wait, so then maybe Kate really is the overarching evil villain. I love, this is a conspiracy theory. If that's what happens, then I'm on board with all of what you've been saying about Kate. Because so far, it's like, everybody is kind of equally bad. Yeah. Everybody's equally a butthole. But yes. if Kate is a hacker who masterminded <laughs> her own victimness, and then used it to, I don't even know what the purpose of that would be. But that's kind of, that's that's conniving. It's conniving. Yeah. So she makes these posters. But if not, it's a, if not, it's a plot hole. It's probably a plot hole. Oh, sorry. So she gets these posters made and they say, Lost dog answers to Miranda. Sick burn, except actually pretty mean. Pretty mean. <laughs> um, I've noticed that the Kate pranks are definitely more like bully, like meaner, like in a in your head kind of way. They're more psychological. Yes, thank you. That's the word I was looking for that I could not find. In an in your head kind of way. But I do think what happens, like, after that, Miranda, like, puts green food coloring or whatever in Kate's hairspray and turns her hair. Like, that's pretty mean, too. That's mean, too, but it's in a more of a, like, oh, it's just her hair. It'll wash out kind of way. Will it wash out? It's there for multiple days. I think that's on Kate at that point. You think it's on Kate at that <laughs> She has to walk around with, like, Joker hair. Clearly, Miranda likes color. That's the funny part about that, is that Miranda's hair is al always matching what she's wearing. I, yeah, I mean, but also, I felt like it was a little bit on Kate, too, because they're in gym class, and they're in the girls' locker room, and she just leaves her purse out in the middle. Yeah, like, like lock up your stuff. Lock up your stuff. Locker room 101. Lock up yeah. your stuff. So, I don't want to victim blame here too much. Like, 
Miranda shouldn't have done that, and also you shouldn't have left your purse out there. Anyways, back to the. Can we go back to the B story for a second? I feel like we skipped over some stuff. We did. Yeah. Oh my god! Because before we get to the, we get to the all the pranks. Because I just started listing the pranks in the order that we ha- it happened. I feel like that's fine. Um, in a very and it was our second montage in a matter of like, <laughs> yeah, like two minutes. So many montages. So those were the pranks. So we got the pranks out there, but in between the first prank, so after the Danny Kessler thing, it cuts back to the B story. And Matt is home in the middle of the school day. He just gets to come home early to check on Lizzie. How did he get home? Uh, He's 10. I I don't know. That's a plot hole. What's up with this show? It was like four plot holes. Like halfway through. I know, but I still love it so much. (laughs) Love the plot. I holes. just want to state that, like, this is all coming from a very um, loving place. Yeah. For me. I'm just along for the ride. Sam's just along for the ride. Yeah. But it's it's peak nostalgia in the best way, and I'm laughing at all of this stuff in a very like I'm very endeared. Very endeared. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Just wanted to, I just wanted to put that on the record. On the record. So Matt's home early, goes to check on Lizzie. Parents are kind of like, ah, what do we do? But tries to sort of like block the, the case, like doesn't work. Matt goes up and goes, why is her, then why is she, she looks dead. So we get this incredible scene. The zoom in is remarkably done. Yeah, what? Back to the, like, going off your, like, PowerPoint transitions, this is, like, in the same vein. Like, the the, the zoom in and out and then yeah. the shaking the camera, yeah. Yeah. But if at the moment... I guess. I mean, I fluctuate between whether Jake Thomas, this guy, this kid, is the best actor or worst actor on the show, because... Worst acting performance on the show. This definitely gets a nomination. But then he has the best scene that we will talk about when it is time. We're, yeah, we can talk about it when it's time. But, it, yeah, there, it, there really is, like, the highs are high and the lows are low a with lot of Matt McGuire. Yeah. Um, so they believe that Lizzie the Lizard is dead. Big moment. Pranks happen, and then after the hair prank... We cut to lunch, and Lizzie's talking to Gordo about it. At this point, she's starting to feel really guilty that Miranda is getting all of this abuse. I mean, I can call it what it is, right? It's abuse from from Kate. Yeah, I agree. And she is really starting to wrestle with this, and Gordo has a great comment. Yeah, he's like... uh He's like, I just avoid things like broccoli, and his lunch is like just broccoli. Yeah, and then he pushes all the broccoli off of his. If he plate. really wanted to avoid broccoli, he would never have gotten it in the first place. That's true. There's no broccoli on Lizzie's plate. Yeah, Lizzie has like a bowl of soup. Yeah. But yeah, so this is really like, I think, the midpoint of Lizzie's emotional arc where the guilt is really starting to pile on. Mm-hmm. And then we get our 
second Kate confrontation when she comes down with her green Joker hair. And it gets really tense between the two of them. And Lizzie tries to step up and tell her that it was her. And once again, fails. Terrible fail. She's like, I like your manicure or something like that. Yes. Like, I like your nails. Yes. And then we get this nice little fade out. And then we're back. There's a lot of really, like, jarring cuts. Between the, between, between the, the two stories. Between the two stories. I'm finding as I'm trying to recap this. I told you, it's a weird episode. <laughs> the construction of the episode. Yeah. Because now we're back at Lizzie's house in the backyard, and it's Lizzie the Lizard's funeral, which, as I was saying, is one of my favorite moments in the episode. Yeah, as far as pet funerals go, it's definitely up there. It's a great funeral it's really good they, you know, Lizzie's in a nicely constructed and designed shoebox. She is lowered into the ground with a toy crane. Yeah, it's well put together. Everybody is wearing black. Everybody has respect. Yeah, everybody says something. I mean, Matt describes the lizard kind of like a dog, but <laughs> yeah. you can avoid that, you know. It was cute. It's a good it was a good pet funeral. And then Matt coming out of this funeral is very shook about the possibility of like going back to school and like reckoning with the fact that he killed Lizzie the lizard. Can't show his face again. He can't show his face again. Public enemy number one. And this is where we get Jake Thomas's at his best. What do you rethink bringing home the hamsters next month? Are you kidding? I can't even showing my face in school after this. I can't show it without Lizzie. Matt, your classmates will understand. Two weeks ago, Gina Meyerhoff accidentally stepped on the class centipede. She only sprained one of its legs. But Gina, after two days of torture, she asked to be moved to another class. Nobody's heard from her since. Like, that's objectively fantastic. Yeah, that was a good line. I like that story. Only broke one of his legs. Sprained. Sprained. Not a break. Sprained one of his legs. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Matt's, Matt is embarrassed. Lizzie is dead. Cut back to the Lizzie story. And during, during Lizzie the Lizard's funeral, Lizzie, the human, is very much in her own head at this point, thinking about the drama between Miranda and Kate, and they have these sort of talking heads happening yeah. above her. So she just totally checks out during Matt's speech. No respect. No respect. And her dad has to kind of tap her on the shoulder and be like, hey, it's over. And she goes up to her room, and her mom follows her up to her room, and then we get my favorite like emotional moment of the episode. I think that Joe McGuire has a great, great first showing. Yeah, she has like a good mom moment. Good mom moment. Great mom moment. Lizzie asks, basically, have you ever let someone take the blame for something you did? And Lizzie's mom says, yeah, and then just jumps into the story about how she backed into a tree and let her sister take the blame. And it was a great moment because... Joe was very much there for Lizzie the way Lizzie needed her to be. And she wasn't, um, like, she didn't prod. She didn't, it didn't matter to Joe what the context of why Lizzie was asking this question. It was just more of a, like, yes, like, 
these things happen. It happened to me. Um, this is how I dealt with it. And yeah, like, it was like a very on point story. It was a very, it was very on the nose. Super on the nose story. Yeah, but I agree. It was a good mom moment, and it was good to see her kind of be there in the way that Lizzie needed her to be. It was, it was something that I don't know if if anybody's parents would actually be yeah, able to like, do this without prodding more. Yeah, that 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 is the thing. Like I know, like that. I think that that's why I loved it so much. Because like if I was having this conversation with my mom, my mom would be like, "Okay, what did you do?" Yeah, like beat you down until you tell her. Yeah. <laughs> tell me. Yeah. Tell me. But Joe was just like here for Lizzie and kind of trusted her to do the right thing without like needing all the information to know mm-hmm. like what exactly had gone wrong. And I loved yeah. that. Yeah. Good moment. Good, Good moment. moment. So from there, Lizzie's like, okay, this is I need to I need to apologize. And we cut to her backyard where she is practicing yeah but her practicing is more like it's like hey this is what happened and, and i'm not sorry it. yeah <laughs> it's not an apo- with it is not an apology at all it's a bad apology she has her arms crossed like very defensive very defensive like pout on her face she's like yeah i did this deal with it yeah it, it was a really bad apology good thing it was just practice but then it, and then it immediately cuts to another failed attempt to apologize, where this time she tells Kate that her shoelaces were untied. Yeah, and then Kate calls her a freak. And then Miranda just appears out of nowhere and is like, did you just call my friend a freak? And that just really... And then it escalated, and to Kate... Keeps this feud going. Yeah, it just really just, like, keeps putting... Stir in the pot. The pot is continuing to stir... And then Kate goes, um, basically, like, Miranda's going to get it. What a threat. What a threat. Be so scared. And then, you think Lizzie the Lizard is dead, but then we cut back to the house, and surprise, she wasn't, except now she really is. Well, she might have been. Like, we don't know. I guess we don't know the truth about Lizzie the Lizard, but we cut back to her, um, well, Lizzie's parents, Sam and Joe, back in the house. And Sam's just, like, casually reading this manual about lizards, which, like, why weren't you doing that before? He was too busy looking inside the microwave. (laughs) And he finds out that through his research that he should have been on top of as, you know, a lizard foster parent. Well, and all there's – actually, one thing. Do they work? Like (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> like, why are they just home all day? And if he is just home all day, why is he wearing a tie? Like, who wears a tie to just lounge out in his house? Yeah, Lizzie McGuire is in that genre of TV that's like, do the parents work? And, like, I like, so I really like the representation of her parents as parents. I think they're one of my favorite examples of supportive parents. They have a good relationship with each other. They have a good relationship with their kids. Um. I really love some of the story arcs that are really family-focused. But, like, what do they do? Like, they have a nice house. They have, they live, well, it's never really stated where the show is set, but um, you can kind of deduce that they're in the L.A. area because random celebrities will just appear as if that's, like, a normal thing. 
totally normal. Yeah, like we get a good Frankie Muniz cameo. We get a good Aaron Carter episode. So we assume that they're somewhere in the LA area. Not a cheap place to live. Not at all, no. Not at all. To have a house, a nice house. What do they do? I, th- I thought you would know. I was asking you. I've never seen the show before. I don't before. know because they're never working. They're, <laughs> they're never working. They're always home killing lizards and yeah. just, you know, looking in terrible places. So Sam reads about the lizard and finds out that lizards apparently can look dead, but they're just sleeping. Who would have uh, thought? Yeah, and for me, like, if you're the dad and you find this information – just like bury it somewhere deep in your soul and don't tell anybody. So you would never tell your hypothetical child. No, because like what's the best case scenario? Like you dig it up and then, well, I guess you dig it up and it's alive would be the best case scenario. <laughs> but like That's... the more likely scenario is you dig it up. Which is what happens. And then it's still dead. And now it's like really dead. And now it's really dead and everybody knows that you killed it. Except, actually, no. Now people think that the kid, Matt, killed it. Like, Matt thinks that he is now the one who killed the lizard. Mm-hmm. Everybody just feels bad now. I think, I think if you find out this information, just bury it as any as it can go. Some would say that honesty is the best policy. Well, to them, I would say, then just admit that you killed the lizard in the first place. <laughs> and, you know, Matt's reaction at this point is very, like chilled yeah for someone who recognized that the lizard was dead so quickly in the first place he has a very hard time seeing that the lizard is dead when they dig it up out of the ground out of its own grave he's like okay (laughs) yeah i totally believe you and then cut back to school back to the pep rally yeah this is like the end of the episode yes end of the episode this was all happened in like one, two days? Uh, I think three days. Three days. But they were a jam-packed three days. Yeah. So we're at the pep rally. Everything has been leading up to this pep rally because Kate, in her last confrontation with Miranda, says that she's going to get it, but like specifically at the pep rally. So we're like, what's going to happen at the pep rally? And Lizzie's like, can't let Miranda be put on blast at the pep rally. So... We get, finally, after so many painful fails at trying to tell the truth, we finally get Lizzie's apology. Yeah, and it's like an okay apology. It's fine. Yeah, she got there. She, she toned it down from the, from the practices. Yeah. It wasn't as, as aggressive. Yeah, it took a little bit of, like, Kate, like, brushing her off and then her, like, the anger really kind of, like, brought it up. Yeah, she's like, no, like, listen to me. Listen to me. And she apologized. She said it was her, and she said that, she said, I'm sorry. She said it was rude, and if she could take it back, she would. And then in this, like, (laughs) anarchy-led cheerleading group, (laughs) they just, you know, rail her in front of the entire student body and then that's that is the moment when you're like okay kate is not great yeah it was a little bit mean a little bit mean it was was a little bit mean because lizzie apologized she feels good she's like you're not gonna like 
you're not going to, like, do anything to Miranda now. Kate's like, of course not. And then it totally turns around. And it's very, um, well, specifically, it's a U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi cheer, which transitions into 2468, who's the girl we love to hate? Lizzie. Lizzie. Loser. Lizzie. Loser. And they're making like the L's above their on their foreheads. So hurtful. Really mean. Yeah, that's really, so, that's the most hurtful thing they could have done. Really not good. You know, I think they're just sitting there, Lizzie and Gordon Miranda, kind of in shock at first. Like, oh God. But then we get to our ending of the story where they're just sitting on the bleachers. Lizzie's embarrassed, but she ultimately feels good that she did come clean. Mm -hmm. Um, she said that she feels empowered. Yeah. And. And they're old news real quick. And they are old news real quick. And that's what I was getting to. And it kind of really, like this show does such a great job of showing that these things that you think are the biggest deal when you're in it and when you're in middle school specifically don't actually matter. Like things like move on quickly. Yeah, everybody has a really short memory. It's fine. For sure. And that is episode 101. That is episode 101. Uh, we do have a couple things, additional things that we do want to break down, uh, one being outfits, right? Yes, so we are the Outfit Repeaters podcast, so we must discuss the clothes. Yes, and the first clip or the first uh still that i pulled was this outfit from miranda in the cafeteria on day one i would like to talk about what she is doing with her hair so for the listeners i think we can put images in the show notes yeah yes that's something that will happen yeah so you'll be able to see what we're talking about but we'll describe too so the thing about early 2000s fashion that really crystallized for me, it's a lot of, it's a lot of hair choices. It's a lot of um, like thick strap tank tops and a lot of um, like loose fitting pants or like bootcut jeans or cargo pants. Baggy's the name of the game. Baggy's the name of the game in 2001. So we have Miranda. Her hair is... Definitely a choice. It's like these two high pigtails. It's more than a choice. It looks like a process. Um, it kind of, like, the best way I can describe this is that it looks like there's an octopus coming out of her head. It does, like an upside-down octopus, and the tentacles are just like... Blah, blah, blah. Yes, because within each pigtail, it is the hair is divided into four sub-pigtails with little elastics interspersed down. Yeah, hair. I'm like, is this an early 2000s look that I missed? I never wore my hair this way. You did not? I did not. Well, clearly you're behind. Clearly I was behind. And then Lizzie's hair is also, it's a little more chilled. It's like two French braids, but then she also kind of has a braided headband across the mm -hmm. top of her head, which just seems like a lot of work. Like when I was a kid, the name of the hair game was easy breezy. I didn't have the time for that. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next outfit that I have pulled a still from is from night one, and it's Lizzie's monkey pajamas. I had very similar monkey pajamas. You had monkey pajamas like this? I must say. And it, this was just a very um, 
Yes, I'm all about this look. Lizzie's hair is in a high ponytail with a scrunchie. Um, I love that scrunchies are back, by the way. Like, that is the only thing I really wanted back from the early 2000s, and it's here, and I love it. Um, and just, like, the open button-down um, pajama shirt with a camisole underneath it is very on point. True. And in a similar vein, Miranda has similar pajamas. Except I don't really know what's on those pajamas. Like a deer or an antelope, maybe? Yeah. Matching pajamas, which honestly, I respect that. Uh, in general, I think that, I think I mentioned this before, but Gordo and I have very similar styles. Um, he tends to, at least myself in middle school, it was very similar to this, but he and I both did the the t-shirt and then the button-down shirt over the t-shirt. And um, that was a big middle school look, I think, for me. I definitely emulated a lot of these looks as well. I think that the name of the game was colors and mixing prints. See, for and me... And, like, colorful pants. I definitely had a pair of pants in every fluorescent color. Every, every fluorescent color. Yeah, I had hot pink pants. I had bright blue pants. I had, mm. yeah, I did not have orange pants like Miranda because I hate orange. Yeah. I think uh, for me it was more um, maybe not colors, but like pockets were the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Gotta love some cargo pants in middle school. Well, aren't you privileged with your pockets? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't really do the cargo pants anymore, though. I have no need for the pockets. I guess I just had so much stuff I needed to carry around (laughs) in my pants in middle school. (laughs) Yeah. And then my last image that I want to talk about is this shirt that Lizzie is wearing throughout the last third of the episode. It's like a a print tee, or I guess tank top, but it has like a Japanese pagoda on it. And I'm wondering, like, why? You know, it's something I never really paid attention to until you pointed it out, and I honestly can't answer that. I don't know why. She's just a band geek that loves Japan. Yeah, but I think there was a <laughs> I think there was a sort something to be said for like graphic shirts with like cityscapes. Do you think it's weird specifically because it's a Japanese pagoda? No, I don't think it's weird. I mean, I like the the shirt. I like the design. I was just wondering like why. Yeah, well, it's like if you had a shirt with like. The London skyline on it, like Big Ben. Like, why? Yeah, but I love London. That's why. Does she love Japan? Mm. Okay. Unclear. All right. So that was everything for the outfit segment of the Outfit Repeaters podcast. And lastly, but most importantly, I, I you're would say, say not leastly. <laughs> is every episode we are going to state our MVP of the episode individually. Are we going to keep tally of who gets the most MVPs? Yeah, we should. I think we should. We should. And then we can see at the end of the series who is the most valuable person of the entire series. The entire series. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so Sam, who is your most valuable person in episode one? Episode 101, you would think the most valuable person would be Lizzie McGuire because it is her show and it is episode one of her show. But in fact, I have given my MVP of episode 101 rumors to Miranda 
Miranda is a fantastic friend to Lizzie. She stands up for Lizzie, despite the fact that Lizzie is the one who sent the message and then could not take ownership of that. Also, she's owning all of her looks, which are a little bit ridiculous. But hey, if you own it, go for it. Um, and also, her pranks are bomb. She gave Kate Joker hair, and I just think that Kate, uh, that Miranda, really kind of pushed this episode along in a way that Lizzie was just kind of there, in the same way that Lizzie was just kind of there. So, for those reasons, Miranda, congratulations! You are MVP of episode one for me. Yeah. Thinking about it, Miranda really had the keys to this episode. She was in the driver's seat. She was in the driver's seat. Yeah. In the first episode. It's wild. Yeah. Cool. So my MVP is also not Lizzie McGuire. Oof. Yikes. Rough footing for Lizzie McGuire, title character. In Lizzie McGuire. In Lizzie McGuire. Um, I'm going to give my MVP to her mom, Joe McGuire. Joe McGuire. I think that Joe had a great first episode. I think that she was supportive in the whole Lizzie the Lizard storyline. Um, just putting up with a lot of shenanigans there. She had in no way, shape, or form was responsible for this lizard. And also called Sam a murderer when the lizard was actually dead. And I appreciated that call out of their silliness. But really, Joe gets the spot for me because of the wonderful conversation that she had with Lizzie that really um, was the catalyst for her to realize that she had to confront Kate and apologize for what she did. And like we already talked about, the just the honesty and like the trust that they clearly have between each other was really wonderful to see. Yeah, the good mom moments. Good mom moments. I'm, I'm a sucker for good mom moments. Awesome. All right. Well, that was 101. Cool. So that was it. Episode 101, Rumors. We did it. We did it. I'm very proud of us. I'm also proud of us. They said it couldn't be done. They said, who are these fools, these peasants, these plebeians? And you know what? We proved them wrong. And we will continue to prove them wrong <laughs> <laughs> throughout these next 60-ish episodes. Yes, we have a long way to go, but we hope you enjoyed, and we hope that you are along for the ride with us. Totally. Yeah, so if you are now invested and want to follow along, you can find us at paginatedmedia.com slash outfitrepeaters. Follow us on Twitter at outfitrepeatpod. You can send your thoughts there. We're happy to hear and engage with the Lizzie fandom. And then I personally, me, am at Marissa Cantor on Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Sir Sam Chung on Twitter. Um, the only thing I have going on there is like I'm wishing one B-list celebrity a happy birthday every day this year. So Yeah, this is really going to be Sam's debut into engaging on social media. Yeah. Who knows? This could be a whole new world for a me. A whole new world. Yeah, we'll see. Cool. So we will see you next time with episode 102, Picture Day. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>